Hello, everybody. Welcome to Top of the Table. I'm Brian Bentley coming to you from Dallas, Texas. Hank Alexander there on your left from Boston. Joining us this week, our very special guest coming to us from the Bay Area, Mr. Sean Reed, author of I Want You to Believe in American Soccer, which you can follow uh, at I Want the Letter U to Believe on Twitter, and then I Want You to Believe in in U.S. Soccer. Excuse me, I screwed that up. I Want You to Believe in U.S. Soccer.com. Sean, thanks for coming on. Guys, thanks a lot for having me here. I'm very happy to be joining you. Uh, so, um, Sean has written this book, and to write this book, he had to, and I'm going to pull the notes up here because it's a, and I'm not going to read the entire list. From 2009 to 2011, Sean traveled across the U.S. and Canada to visit clubs and fans of those clubs. Some notable clubs. It is an extremely long list, and I'm not going to read all of it. I will throw out some names. Uh, the Chicago Fire in Section 8, D.C. United in the Bar Brava, the Fort Lauderdale Striker, Strikers and the Miami Ultras, uh, Chattanooga, New York, Atlanta, Nashville, Rocket City United, that's in Huntsville, Alabama, uh, Sporting KC, St. Louis, Toronto, came here at FC Dallas, which is where we met, uh, Philly, San Jose, the DV8 Defenders of the USASA, uh, L.A., Chivas, Portland, Seattle. Did I miss any? <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. Thankfully, you 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 did uh, uh, skip a few, but uh, it's 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 a massive list. Uh, and the point of the book is basically to show how much soccer is out there. So uh, I started from uh, east to west, basically uh, finding uh, clubs that uh, caught my eye, interesting stories, uh, just traveling around, trying to uh, learn a little bit more about what makes these smaller clubs tick. Um, trying to find uh, interesting stories, as I said, to uh, place in the book and basically sell soccer not only to the existing American soccer fan, but the larger base out there who may like soccer, but uh, not realize how much is actually out there. And and you really did go all over the place. I'm looking at the remainder of the list. Uh, Fargo, Harrisburg City, uh, the Seahorses of Southeast Louisiana, uh, Rio Vista, Albuquerque, Portsmouth, New Hampshire, Boise, uh, Boca Raton, the RGV Ocelots of Brownsville, Texas. Uh, wow. Yeah, yeah there, there's a few there, and I should I should probably uh, start this off by uh, correcting a couple quick things. Uh, the book is still being written. Um, this is this is kind of my uh, uh, amateur advance PR strategy, basically to uh, talk about where I'm at every so often with the book, uh, kind of keep people in the loop, uh, so uh, it stays on the radar. Um, I'm still talking to a lot of clubs. I was in Fresno uh, actually uh, this last weekend to uh, see PDL's first kick with uh, the Fuego uh, down there. Uh, they beat uh, Misioneros, uh, one of the newer clubs in the PDL, uh, out of L.A., I think uh, 3-1, uh, 4-1 possibly. It was a good game. And then uh, uh, just yesterday I was up in Richmond, which is not too far north of Oakland, uh, to uh, watch the uh, uh, Bay Area Ambassadors. Uh, play host to a U.S. club side uh, from Stanislaus County, Turlock Express, uh, and they actually lost that game. It was a playing game for the Open Cup. So I'm basically just trying to see as much as I can, learn as much as I can, uh, hear a bunch of great stories, and, and, and keep putting it together. And uh, yeah, that's that's that's. Well, it, it works out because this is a totally amateur show. So uh, pick the right. <laughs> pick the right. Wasn't trying to malign the show. No, at all. no, we do that on our own. Uh, I also want to mention this book is being edited by our good friend Robert Jonas. Wow. Yeah. Bobby Jonas. The other Jonas brother that nobody talks about. 
Yes, uh, the other the older brother that graduated graduated ahead of all the other ones. He's the managing editor editor of Centerline and uh, Quake Rattle and Roll, uh, featured on Winning Ugly and Around the League. Uh, he's been on our show. I don't think anybody heard him, but he's been on here. Um, Sean, I want to correct. It's BelieveInUSSoccer.com. BelieveInUSSoccer.com. That, that's the website, the book. It's a working title still. I, I'm working to uh, get permission from the Federation to uh, go with the uh, working title. I want you to believe in U.S. soccer. Uh, but uh, however it turns out, I'm looking forward to getting it written and hopefully uh, putting something together that's attractive, uh, that's eye-catching, and that really involves the fan at every level. And, and for those that are, that are listening to the podcast or just now catching us uh, live, we're with Sean Reed, the author of said book. And there's a lot of great stuff. I'm, I'm looking through the website now. Um, scarves. One of the great things Sean wants to do is he wants um, wants fans to submit their scarves for their club, so every single page in the book can have a scarf on it. And I will show you. Uh, I'll try to try to show you an image here. Uh, oh, cool! Sean's got. You can see there he's got the uh, the um, scarves working down the, the sides of the pages. Uh, he's got maps, you know, maps showing the clubs where he's been. Uh, it's just an amazing, it's a huge undertaking, first of all. Did you set out with the goal of trying to find, I mean, to try to hit every MLS club and then work your way down, or did you just say, I'm going to get in the car, I'm going to go right, I'm going to drive towards the water and see what I hit? Yeah, yeah, no, it's, um, it, it was probably a little bit more organic than that, and if I had had a plan, I probably would have been done with this book a year ago. <laughs> uh, well, I, I'm not, I'm not a professional writer, um, I'm just a fan. Uh, I like listening to podcasts, and uh, I was in the car on the 405 uh, back in uh, mid-summer 2009. I used to live in L.A., uh, and I just heard um, so many people calling in with uh, their ideas of how to, quote-unquote, fix soccer in the United States, and I'm of the mind that you know not only is it here, it's been here for a while, albeit in, in, in different uh, varying and changing forms. Uh, so I thought somebody ought to you know, look into all these different opinions and, and, and write something that presents a very full view. And, of course, we all know that there's more to soccer in the U.S. Uh, beyond MLS. Uh, it existed again before MLS came into play in, in 96, um, before we got the Olympics in 94, and even before we uh, uh, caused a stir uh, overseas uh, with that big World Cup win over England in 1950. So I'm trying to basically incorporate a lot of different stories, again, from the fans' perspective, people who know more than me, historians, authors, podcasters, bloggers, writers, um, and, and, and put together something that gives a little bit of credit to uh, the evolving face of the game here in the country, and also those smaller clubs uh, like the ones uh, out uh, East Coast, uh, Hoboken, uh, uh, Hoboken FC, or um, uh, Ocelots down in Brownsville, Texas, uh, Seacoast United, those clubs that have been around for a long time, um, people who might be rabid soccer fans in this country might not know and that they're out there or might not ever think enough to support uh, some of these smaller club movements. So I'm trying to basically uh, show that in a holistic way with the book. Oh, there's the, oh, it's there's, an amazing there's the stuff. picture we took. I'm, looking, I'm uh, looking through the website now here. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's a good one of uh, the three of us back when uh, you, uh, Sarah, and... Uh, yeah, As I showed doing, up for the uh, tail end of that interview. It's just amazing. You can look through here. Uh, you know, August of 09, he's in Chicago. February of 10, he's in L.A. November 09, Seattle. It's, it's an amazing, amazing website. Believe in Um If you get a chance, everybody, go check it out. This is 
I'm looking at it now. I, I, obviously, the thing that caught my eye uh, right off the bat was you talked to my good uh, good buddy Prairie Rose Clayton. Oh yeah, yeah. She's uh, obviously a Revs fan like myself, and uh, I actually met her through Twitter. <laughs> this is amazing. But um, you know, as soon as I met her face to face, like I I know exactly who you are. She was a, a very visible uh, face in the right. the revolution. Uh, kind of forefront, if you will, right, always right behind the goal for the longest period of time. She actually moved her seats this year and is now sitting in um, the midfield right behind the, the coach's uh, bench for the visiting team, which is interesting. But uh, regardless, she's great, great source of all these, spend so much soccer, um, having never played soccer in her life before uh, and just a true diehard fan obviously you look at her stuff that she's created it's just amazing yeah and and that's that's exactly the kind of thing i'm trying to capture with the book i'm not only trying to show uh that these clubs exist but that the fans that have been supporting them all have very unique stories that you may be able to relate to and in prairie rose's case she's very diminutive uh she's uh five two and a half possibly uh her yeah. boyfriend i mean i'm sorry her husband mike is like six foot Something. Six four, I think. Six four, yeah. He, he definitely. Uh, he's big. He's a big dude, right? So I mean, there's a fun, a fun uh, bit right there. But also, she has been putting together this uh, tifo, which is very recognizable. Uh, it, it's it's almost Warholian. Like uh, you can see it uh, in the stands, and you know that's a that's a Prairie Rose Clayton piece. Every. Um, time a revolution player uh, leaves the squad, retires, moves on for whatever reason, uh, she gives that player uh, one of those banners that they've carried in the stands for all of those seasons. And it's a great little memento, a great tradition. And uh, Prairie's actually probably one of the loudest voices with her art in spite of being one of the smallest people in the stands. So it's stuff <laughs> like that that I'm really trying to capture. She's also uh, been good enough to put together a piece for me, which I hope will be um, a call to all TIFO artists out there. You mentioned the scarves, uh, Brian, but I'm looking for other TIFO artists that will basically do what Prairie Rose did. And you can see it on my website, um, which is basically create a digital image of a TIFO, uh, a, a big banner that uh, will um, show what the section of the book is. Uh, I have five, the book is broken down into five different sections. Each section is going to be uh, one of the five primary things every American fan will need uh, to enjoy the sport. And belief obviously is central to that. That is the largest part of the book and Prairie has developed a cover page for that book. And I have four other uh, empty pages and I need TIFO artists to develop uh, a page for me uh, for each uh, respective page. And uh, so if you're a TIFO artist out there and want to get your stuff immortalized in a fantastic piece of work, uh, definitely get in touch with me because I'd love to work with you on developing and, that. And I'm holding up that uh, the image now that Prairie Rose uh, drew for you. See down there in the bottom left. Not not uh, too big, but uh, it's there. And it's on Sean's website, believeinusoccer.com. Sean, what was the... Um, and this is the... I like to throw these easy questions out. What was your what was your biggest surprise? What was the place that you went to and you were like, either oh my gosh, who knew this was here, or I really expected more when I got here. Oh well, I, I never really had any any negative uh, reactions. Every place I've gone to, when I've ran into the soccer culture there, even if it's been small, uh, it's been vibrant and been passionate. Uh, the two places I think that really 
just rocked my world were uh, Kansas City. I was there uh, this last summer, which was just an incredible spot. There's supporters. Uh, we met out. Um, I got a tour of the stadium uh, from Sam Perron. Uh, he uh, works with the club now, uh, helped form uh, Cauldron, and uh, also um, worked with the uh, league to develop the supporter shield. So very, very cool story with Sam. He and uh, the uh, president of the Cauldron took me around and gave me a tour of uh, the brand new uh, uh, Livestrong Sporting Park. And then we met up for barbecue with a couple fans from the Cauldron. I got great stories from all of them. Um, it was a great atmosphere. And, of course, the game, they're hosting uh, Toronto, uh, so it was a win. Um, and uh, that was fun. And then Chattanooga, a place I'd never been to before. Chattanooga is an amazingly technologically advanced city, believe it or not. Uh, they're very progressive, got uh, just great public spaces, great parks, uh, great buildings, older architecture, and a fantastically vibrant fourth division club in Chattanooga FC. They draw over 4,000 people to every match in a college stadium there with lines on the field and everything. Uh, and again, we're talking fourth division. They play in the NPSL, uh, and right out of the gates, they were success in that town, and they only get bigger. So uh, I would definitely go back to Chattanooga in a heartbeat, and uh, uh, they're a team to watch out for in the future if they keep growing like they have. What was the, har- what was the hardest place to get to? To get to, uh, boy, um, to, Toronto, I guess, just because it was so far away. Uh, but uh, it was it was great. Uh, I, I love being there during the final. They really pulled out all the stops. Um, MLS was very welcoming. I went to an event on the uh, uh, the tower there, the the, the CN Tower, I think it's called, uh, the big um, iconic tower they have uh, right downtown uh, for reception there. So I got to meet a lot of other bloggers, uh, reporters, media personnel, blo- uh, broadcasters. That, that was fun. Uh, and then the game itself was just just fantastic. Um, I, I'm originally, not originally, but I went to school in Colorado, big Rapids fan. Uh, so it was great to uh, see them eke out the win. Sorry. That's all right. Yeah. So when are you coming up to uh, New England? As soon uh, as they get a soccer team. Uh-huh. <laughs> what? Yeah, I walked into that one. <laughs> Uh, you know, I've, I've been to Boston a lot of times, so I didn't um, include it in my travels specifically for the book. I actually met Prairie Rose at MLS Cup uh, in Toronto. That's where we first hit it off. Uh, but I would love to uh, make a tour uh, through all the places I couldn't go to, like Columbus, New England, um, uh, Edmonton, uh, after this is all done, and just kind of see all the things that I missed and, and help promote the book again and, and soccer at these, uh, you know, top and lower levels. It's funny because it really is a second-class sport here. It's, it's um, as much as, you know, you have to, for, for the longest time, if you were going to uh, excel at soccer here, you needed to join the private clubs and pay to play. Um, like Boston Bolts is a prime example of, of, of the kind of local you know, a soccer elite would always go to play at Boston Bolts, but you'd have to pay to be on the team. Or, you know, if you were really that good and you couldn't afford it, they would, you know, basically subsidize your your uh, your membership in the club. Um, but it's really kind of taking a different turn now. It's kind of growing yeah. out, especially with the disbanding of the uh, with of women's professional soccer WPS, and it doesn't really look like that's going to come back anytime soon. Um, but there are a whole bunch of women's teams in the area now that have just kind of popped up out of seemingly nowhere. And they've formed this kind of mini league, 
which the Breakers are playing in, and a whole bunch of other teams are now playing in. Um, then you've got the Worcester Hydra coming out of nowhere, which is a men's club, uh, PDL, and Boston Victory, which is in Boston, technically not. Uh, it's a base out of Quincy. Um, and they actually practice down uh, closer to Cape Cod than they do to Boston. But it's a it's an attempt to bring Boston fans of soccer, you know, bring the sport to Boston fans. And you look at the uh, the makeup of the town and the community of, around Boston, Somerville, South Boston, Dorchester, a lot of Irish people, a lot of uh, Brazilian, a lot of Portuguese, um, Haitian. So, I mean, the, the sport is everywhere uh, around here, but they don't really have a kind of a fixed club, so to speak. Um, and with the revolution being all the way out in, in Foxborough, which is, you know, good 45 minutes away from the center of Boston, right. it, it's, it doesn't really lo- uh, lend itself to be that kind of gathering tool that, um, you know, to, to bring all the fans into one spot. So it'd be an interesting uh, thing for you to think to, to come up here and talk to these guys, because there's a lot of, a lot of fans that just really don't have a club to support local club that is, but they are our fans definitely of, of uh, you know, sporting and, and, you know, Liverpool and Man United and all these, Big, big clubs that are overseas, but not, just none here locally in the States. Right. So let's talk about clubs with huge support, and let's segue over to Portland. Question from the chat room. Did you go to Portland prior to MLS or uh, when they were in MLS? Uh, yeah, I, I, I paid a visit to them uh, after I'd started the project uh, back in uh, 2010. I think I was there for a game there. Uh, and then uh, I, I just went back uh, on a family visit. My family's from uh, a small town uh, east of Portland, so uh, I grew up in Oregon. And I, I went back and saw the uh, remodeled, uh, formerly PGE Park, uh, and uh, marveled at uh, everything that uh, they've done over there. But uh, I, I got to meet uh, Timber Jim. I chatted a bit with Timber Joey. Uh, a lot of fans from that section, Timber's Army, uh, 107ist. Um, their movements over there. They're doing a lot of great things. But I, I did get to see them play Austin Aztecs uh, back in uh, their USL days. I think their final year of USL. I, I got to check out a game then. That's me. I want to go there. I, I'm, I mean, I, oh. I think you have to. I want to see, I want to see, uh, I want to see Blue Hell or Sporting KC. Uh, and mm-hmm. I, want yeah. to see, uh, I want to see Portland. Let me tell you what. Portland is a mecca for the soccer fans. And I'm not just biased being from Oregon. I've been to Seattle. Again, great atmosphere. But what they've done there is basically draw upon what's, you know, more than 100 years of history in and around that Coliseum that they've recently remodeled. Uh, They've owned it. Uh, They uh, kept the spirit alive of uh, the original NASL Timbers uh, through what was formerly the Cascade Rangers, now Timbers Army. Uh, Basically continue to give back to the community through what they call Operation Pitch Invasion, where they uh, remodel uh, older uh, dilapidated fields uh, at uh, local junior high and high schools uh, to give uh, uh, kids a place to play and uh, have become a very strong political force both within that soccer uh, area and in the greater Portland community, and uh, it really shows both uh, 
through their uh, support of the team on the field and the atmosphere game day and throughout that that area. It's just a fantastic place to be for a So day. let's hold your feet to the fire. You grew up in Oregon, you went to school in Denver, and you worked in Chicago. Who's your team? Uh, you can I, say the Austin Aztecs. I mean, you can, you can take a... You, know. <laughs> <laughs> you have plenty uh, of wiggle room to get out of this one. You can... No, 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 no. Look, I... New I, Orleans shell shockers. <laughs> the Inferno <laughs> over 30 FC. That's a right. callback to an old joke. No, I, uh, I, I love every place. I, I'm in the Bay Area That's now. Um, I'm rocking an old uh, Quakes. There it uh, is. Shirt. Nice. Yeah, yeah, trying to, yeah, just trying to represent a bit. Um, am I a bandwagon jumper? You might be able to say that, but uh, it's not just because the clubs are doing well. I want to support soccer at the local level. If I lived in Fresno, I'd be a season ticket holder to Fuego. Uh, I, I like to say if there was one club out there I would, I would pull for, it would be um, either Chicago or Colorado uh, because those are the two places I really started becoming a fan of, of the game, like for real. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I, love, I love to uh, support all of these local clubs uh, if I were in uh, Massachusetts, I'm sure I would uh, select, you know, Hydra or uh, one of the one of the other smaller clubs there uh, that are just coming into NPSL or PDL and, and try and get on board with them. Uh, and also, of course, support the bigger clubs as well, like Revolution, that have done so much for the league up to this point. So, uh, yeah, I mean, do I support everybody? Sure, because I want to see it all do well. But uh, I do have a special place in my heart for, for Rapids. Uh, for, for for the quakes now, and uh, obviously for for the fire. Well, you lost me on the fire, but talk about United States at the United States level. Um, you know, obviously, and yes, that is that is lead. cucumber lime Gatorade he is drinking. If if Mark was here, <laughs> oh, yeah. if Mark was here, he'd be going insane right now. Yeah, they, you really got to get them to sponsor. I know the show, we Brian. <laughs> This stuff is great. This is this is awesome. I I, I had never cucumber heard of cucumber lime. Gatorade. There's just something wrong about that. I mean, I, I'm sure Landon Donovan. I think that's like a uh, like a hand soap. My wife gets at Bath and Body Works. I don't know. <laughs> I think you're probably right. But talk about the the national level. I mean, um, we've seen over the last few few years some great support from uh, various spots in the in the community, especially with the women's uh, women's team, but also with the men's team and yeah, everybody remembers Landon's Landon's goal from uh, the 2010 yeah. Algeria. He broke yeah. the yeah, yeah, World Cup, obviously, right? And and it really just kind of seemed to be this big, huge catalyst. Do you see the U.S. national team kind of being that catalyst to drive people towards more local, uh, you know, outlets for the sport? Uh, It'll play its part, but I really think the true catalyst will be at the local level. I think okay. that the more support you see locally, uh, the more it'll drive what's being done nationally. And that's uh, one reason why I think uh, we'll see also in the next couple of uh, years the U.S. Open Cup tournament becoming a larger player. I think we'll see God, that. I hope so. You know, I mean, you've got to. It's, it's, it's a great story all around. I mean, it doesn't get more David and Goliath uh, than this. Uh, it's, it's well-tenured. Hundred years or more, and I, I think we're really entering a postmodern age of uh, how we think about American soccer. Uh, now that you know we're able to talk about clubs existing outside of of the nineteen we have in MLS now, someday we'll be twenty. Uh, the NASL's inclusion, uh, and of course all of these local clubs, which are popping up all the time. And I think the ones that will stick around are the ones that are being run right 
they'll get a fan base, not unlike Chattanooga, you know, not unlike the one that they're starting to build in St. Louis with uh, Tony Glavin's Lions. And we'll start to see those people rally around those causes, which will only serve to build a better and stronger infrastructure for the, the existing system we already have. And then hopefully all of that will generate up the support that we need to continue for our, our national team, men and women. What do you think about the situation in Austin um, where they were doing fairly well and had mm-hmm. stoke behind them and then all of a sudden they realized their profitability light in Orlando – and left, but they've now been the name has been resurrected by another group, um, mm-hmm. and I think that was a, a, a direct result of the fan base that was still there. Uh, that, that's what I'm, I'm right. kind of throwing you some some loose. Uh, no, that's that's cool. That's what happened with the Quakes, right? I mean, yeah, well, the Quakes actually held on to their their brand, but when they when they moved the team to Houston, but I mean, I think it was that kind of local uh, kind of attachment to that team name similar to the Quakes that forced uh, the Aztecs to hold on to theirs, right? Well, actually, no, you'd be surprised. The, the guys uh, that learned about the Aztec move basically learned about it after it had already been done. Um, there were rumors. I mean, I, I address it in the book, so I don't want to get too much in the weeds with it, but uh, there were there were rumors uh, that were uh, not not confirmed, but there was talk out there that the team might be moving. And despite uh, reassurances, as I understand it, from uh, the front office um, and the ownership of that club, um, the the club actually wound up moving, um, much to the surprise of its uh, small but very dedicated fan base. Uh, so uh, obviously that left a sour taste in everybody's mouth, like Brian alluded to. Uh, the name did come back this last year, but... Um, it was actually a minority owner of the former Division II Austin Aztecs who basically bought the name back and the rights to the name back from their previous owner who's now in charge of uh, Orlando, Phil Rollins, and he wanted to continue what had already been started. I was really surprised to see that name come back because I thought the way it all went down, there would be no way you know supporters could get behind it. But what they did was actually rally behind the idea behind the name. Uh, so they tried to incorporate, you know, some of the colors, uh, some some meaning uh, behind um, Austin. They changed their name of their supporters group from Ch- uh, Chantico's Army to Aberley's Army, Aberley being a, uh, a popular uh, civic hero uh, back in the days of the Alamo. Uh, so they basically went ahead and said, look, even though it worked against us this time, we're not going to punish uh, the idea of the support that we have. We're going to continue the legacy behind the same name and make it even better than it was before. Uh, and the earthquakes thing, that was just MLS holding on to the, uh, holding on to the, uh, the, the brand yeah. for us. So they were caretakers of that brand. Uh, so that yeah, was kind of nice to see too. And I want to say a special well, hello to James Clay and all the guys there, uh, all the Aztecs fans that listen to the show and have tweeted us. So that was for you. Oh, okay. hey, James. Hey, James. Uh, so, let me ask you this. Have you had a chance to talk with I – mean, when, I started, when you started talking about the U.S. Open Cup, it's, to me it's a real tragedy that U.S. soccer doesn't use its um, kind of pull with the, the Soccer United Marketing Group and whatever to really kind of get behind the sport and offer a prize that's worth something to somebody. Um, I mean, 
because let's be honest. I mean, if I'm if I'm playing in a local club and I have the chance to win a hundred thousand dollars by playing in a soccer tournament, that's great. But if I'm a professional soccer player, and you know, so what's the incentive for me to win this thing from a cash perspective, whatever? You know, there's just it's just not doesn't get the hype that it deserves from U.S. soccer. Have you had a chance to talk to anybody from U.S. soccer about anything, um, or and specifically U.S. Uh, Open Cup? Not yet. I'm working on that though. Uh, U.S. soccer is a tough nut to crack. Uh, they're, uh, I think, I think they're approachable, but it's it, it's still a very corporate um, structure, um, and I'm I'm really trying to um, you know find my inroads with them. As far as the Open Cup goes, uh, I have talked to people with very strong opinions. You know, people that you know own or work with these local clubs that would like to see a lot more exposure. Um, and there's been a lot of great ideas that I've heard which could make this this uh, tournament better, uh, bigger, uh, and, and grant it more exposure uh, without necessarily having to throw a whole lot more money into it. I think that they do offer some kind of cash prize, if I'm not mistaken, uh, for uh, the different levels of uh, the clubs in whichever pyramid they're in, whoever basically is the last man standing at that particular division, I think that they do earn, uh, the club earns uh, some kind of cash prize. But I think that the visibility of the tournament is going to increase both with the influx of teams we're seeing at the local level and also that uh, automatic slot they're going to get into the CONCACAF Champions League. Right. I mean, if, if a D2 team wins the Open Cup, I mean, that is a huge opportunity. Huge. For them. Huge. huge. So, uh, I think it's basically the tournament is going to start selling itself, and as soon as uh, corporate sponsors and U.S. Soccer, the federation, start seeing a greater value in that, I think we'll see the money follow. But that's just that's just my opinion. I think that's where it ultimately needs to go. I mean, um, I completely forgot about the Concacaf thing, but that would be big, obviously, for anybody, even MLS. Talk about incentive to get you know more exposure for your team and you know better notoriety, maybe get some. Uh, more respect around the league, whatever, you know, that's a, could be maybe an easier way to get into the uh, thing, provided you could beat Seattle or DC United, who seem to own the, on the cup. Yeah. But, or Chicago, the team that uh, shall not be named, right, Hank? What? Is that, is that because, is or, that because Seattle's the only MLS team that really cares about the cup? Well, I think you could argue that DC cares. Um, and there was a question in the chat room was, when does Open Cup start this year? It started yesterday, I believe. Uh, the first inaugural uh, um, match of the year, I should say. Uh, first match of the year was yesterday. And you can check that out at uh, thecup.us. It's a great website for all the stuff about Open Cup. So, uh, no, no, we're here. No, we're here. We listen to you. Um, that, I think it was Nick that asked that question, but I can't. I got a question for you, Sean. How okay. flip did you pay for this? <laughs> yeah, that's that's what my wife keeps asking me. Uh, <laughs> I I basically uh, just devoted the funds to it. All the all the names that you uh, were reading off earlier, Brian, those aren't all places I've necessarily been to. Uh, like, um, uh, what are some of these other ones? Oh, like like Boise, for instance. I, I hadn't traveled to Boise, but I relied a lot on on calling and reaching out to some of these clubs, you know, in Albuquerque and Boise. Um, I talked to Jay Heaps, for example, from the Revs uh, before he made the coaching uh, staff of that team. So uh, uh, I, I basically did a lot of uh, phone work. Uh, but uh, in person, it, 
I like to travel. So it, you know, for me, it was like, you know, you sacrifice, you know, a few days of, of vacation with the family and go out and spend an extra, you know, couple days with your weekend and, and go out and see some, some good soccer and, and meet some of these fans in person. So, uh, it was an investment and, uh, who knows if, if the book will ever, uh, you know, do well enough to, uh, reimburse me for the amount I've put into it already. But I, I wouldn't trade it. I mean, this is, like I said, uh, Portland was Mecca. I feel like it's almost like a spiritual journey in a way to uh, travel around the country, see some of these places nice. like the uh, the southeast. I mean, I'd never been to Alabama before, but now I know where Rocket City United plays. You know, it was, worth, it was a cool time. That's awesome. And, and when you look on the website, uh, believeinusoccer.com, Sean's got scarves aplenty lining every page there. And like I said earlier, the goal of putting it on the uh, – on the book, and this is certainly a book written by a fan, with help from the fans, for the fans, yeah. and it's it's incredible. And I and and I remember as uh, we spent time with Sean, a lot of our conversation become disjointed because we were watching the game, and as as we would get started, part of a conversation, we're like, wait, like somebody would make a run, like, okay, where were we? What? Okay, yep, yeah, nice. yeah. So it's just it was a, a real honor to be. Um, to be interviewed and just to be part of it. And it's a truly commendable thing. And I think it's, uh, it's going to be the size of a phone book when the first half of it comes out, probably. Well, if, if, if Robert's uh, half as good as I know he is, uh, hopefully it'll be down to a manageable size and uh, he'll be doing a lot of uh, 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 cutting for me. I'm sure he's running out of red ink already. We're, we're nearly through our, our probably meatiest part of the book right now, and uh, I've got a lot of work now to follow up on it. Robert's been great to work with. Now, let's talk about some. You also interviewed some historians and former players of the game. I know when you hear Dallas, you talked to Kenny Cooper Sr. Uh, just give us some of those names and some of those people that you spoke with. Uh, well, I, I got really lucky. I, um, I caught people on, uh, you know, just just kind of by chance, uh, Bakari Sumari, uh, when I was in uh, Chicago and Chris Rolfe was playing for them before he just came back, I got a chance to talk to them. Juan Agudelo, uh, I met him before uh, people knew who he was, uh, basically. I went to uh, Red Bull's opening there and got a chance to uh, meet with him there. Um, some former great players, uh, Marcelo Balboa, uh, he was great. And let me just tell you about Marcelo. I am from Denver, at least I went to school there, but I hadn't been back in ages. So I was staying out kind of on the outskirts of the city, um, and he met me up after he had been there calling the game. He waited for me for 45 minutes plus after the game on a Saturday night in the lobby of this hotel while I got my myself unlost and, and then sped all the way over there to wow. meet him. Classic guy, and then he talks to me for an hour. So uh, great guy. Um, Bobby Ryan, of course, another just amazing citizen. Uh, just I can't say enough about Bobby Ryan. Just incredible, incredible man. Um, and uh, Alexi Lawless, um, uh, some some former players that maybe people haven't heard of. Lori Fair, uh, she is one of the original WSA uh, uh, ladies. Uh, played uh, three years in Philadelphia while that was going on back in the early two thousands. Uh, she uh, is running a uh, well, helping Charlize Theron actually right now run a uh, charity. Uh, out of LA that travels to different parts of the world. Uh, she, she, she gave me a lot of insight. It was great to talk to her. And, uh, you know, it, it's obviously more fan driven, but Alexi Lawless said something that was really interesting and, and I think you guys would really appreciate. Uh, when I asked him what it means to be a fan, he basically demurred. He said that he doesn't really feel like he's worthy of that title 
to be a fan. And, and, and Alexi's caught a lot, of, a lot of heat over the years from, from fans of all stripes who may not agree with his style or, or, or him in general. Uh, but uh, he, he was very complimentary of, of what the fan actually brings to the game. And I thought, well, that might be true, but everyone to me is a fan, you know, whether you are a historian or a blogger or, or someone like me you know, writing a book uh, or you know, a player actually scoring those goals or making those tackles. You're in the game because you love it, and everybody has a part to play in furthering the sport in this country. And uh, so it's just it's just been an honor both talking to the players and even even fans of supporter groups that people have never heard of. It was it was a great and, time. And to even devote the time to do it, there has to be some sort of passion or following or uh, devotion to the game. I mean, to even do it. So it's not like you're just going to say, you know what, I'm going to write a book. I'm going to pick uh, soccer. Okay, I'm going to travel over the country. <laughs> Well, it wasn't one of the brightest ideas I ever had. I'll tell you that. I, I never, <laughs> I never realized how much work would actually go into uh, writing a book and making it making it readable. But uh, like I said, it's it's been a great learning experience, and I'm honored to have talked to, you know, uh, legends like um, legends like Alexi and 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 guys like yourselves that are actually you know putting in the time every day and making the sport great for those of us there's, who just there's, home. There should so, be only be two yeah. times whenever our names are mentioned with Alexi Lawless. That was one, and I'll let it go. And the other time was when. We had him on our show, and even then, we are very apologetic. So <laughs> that was pretty me, Lawless, And then there's the 14 people that watch our show. Yeah, and I say, and I say that's 14. That's that's, that's a month. Stretching. Yeah, that's for the month. Um, <laughs> I'm one of them. Uh, sure. There you go. All right. If you, if you are watching or listening uh, on the podcast, this is uh, now the chat room's telling me that 14 is a high number. Thank you very much. I love you all. Yeah, as if we yes, didn't thank know. You. Thank uh, you. We have Sean Reed, author of I Want You to Believe in U.S. Soccer. You can catch it at believeinussoccer.com. Uh, traveled across the country and called some people. Uh, and wrote, uh, is writing a book being edited by our good friend Robert Jonas. Um, this is normally the part of the show where we start talking about actual games. You want to stick around and join us for that? Yeah, sure. If you'll have me, that's great. Of course. How about that San Jose game? <laughs> Speaking of which, let me throw you a softball right off the bat. Holy moly. Yeah. Steven Lenhart. What? Yeah. In- Who put a quarter in him and turned him on, right? I was going to say that oh about my Santos. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but I, I just – Lenhart is quickly becoming my least favorite player in MLS, um, mainly because he's just – he's too freaking good to play – those that's the the antics that he that he plays you know he's he doesn't need that part in his game and maybe it's just me being petty uh but i think it's i think it's annoying as hell to see him how he winds up with the other players and gets in their faces and and kicks at them kicks out whatever and uh you know draws the foul here or there but but then he has this brilliant game us he had three legitimate goals last night one of them was you know, denied by an offside, um, but Goal. those two headers were just beautiful. And my God, why does why is this guy not getting? Um, you know, I guess he had a really bad year last year. I mean, he was he was out of it last year. Yeah. But if this guy, if he continues on this pace for this year, I mean, how old is he now? Twenty seven. I have no idea. Uh, but he's he's not that old. He could be in in talks for the qualifying, at least, for the uh, World Cup this summer for the United States team. So, Hank, do you, you hate him because he's pesky? If, 
I hate him because he's good. But what? But what I'm saying is that the type is that the type of player, and I'm not saying like a Joey Barton type of pesky. But it, you know, that's that's kind of a guy in hockey you'll call a grinder that gets under people's skin and does his job, and the home team loves him and everybody else hates him. Is that kind of what you're you're saying here, or do you just outright hate the man and his beautiful golden locks? <laughs> well, I think that's probably it, Brian. I uh, he's if he played for New England, I don't know how I'd feel about him. If he scored five or more goals, I'd probably feel a little bit different about him. Hank, let me tell you my theory on Linhart. He is probably the uh, world's most affable Sith Lord. He is thriving <laughs> on the hate that you are feeling. <laughs> Every time somebody calls him out, he's going to go out there and do more of what you hate and actually produce some of those results. Excellent. Uh, yeah. Affable Sith Lord. That, uh, the hate is flowing through me. Put that in the book now. He's, he's dark cuddle. <laughs> I, think, I think we just found the title of the show. Oh, it's affable Sith Lord. There you go. Okay. Make a good rock is, band. But Linard's awesome. been standing though. He's, he's, uh, he's a to watch. And, and I'll share this. When I played in my limited uh, uh, career as a uh, as a forward, I mean, as a sorry midfielder in uh, in uh, the Dallas High uh, back in Oregon, I was a lot like that. I, I didn't have a lot of skill, which Linard obviously does, and uh, that would be my game. I would be chippy. I would get under people's skin. I would uh, talk to them while they're playing because that was really all I could do. I was I was fairly talentless, uh, so I, I appreciate that element he brings to the game, and at least keeps it interesting. There's more than one kind of talent, right? And if if you have the ability to to get out there and and mix it up and, and get under people's skin, you're filling a role on the team. Um, but, uh, you know, to be able to do that and then knock in a few with your head under pressure, it's just insane. So An extra time. An extra time. And also, yeah. and also yeah. with, For the game with, winner, with Gus Johnson on the call as well. Yeah. yeah. That's, <laughs> it was a treat. Uh, uh, let's talk about uh, Red Bull New York. Who, uh, scoring in buckets, and I think that's about to come to a grinding halt as Thierry Henry has a uh, well, it did last strained night. hamstring, and he's out three to four weeks. I contend uh, that that high-flying offense you will now see sputter slightly with only Kenny Cooper to lean on, and they're just so racked with injuries right now. Well, you saw it happen yesterday, right? As soon as Thierry Henry went down... Um, they lost a huge element of their attack right off the bat. They had uh, very little uh, of the ball from the 20th minute or so on um, with some chances here and there, but nothing that really, really threatened New England. New England, on the other hand, completely anemic in their attack until the final minutes of the game when it was too little too late. Um, And... Just not the way that I expected this game to unfold, considering that the Revs uh, had an opportunity there to take advantage of a very um, inexperienced back line for New York. And they just couldn't. There's something held them back. They couldn't do it. Maybe it was Thierry Henry. Maybe they were a little bit too concerned about the offensive front uh, for the first 20 minutes or so of the game. Uh, but you know, they had their chances, the revolution, and they couldn't capitalize. And that's what, and that's the end, end game right there. Uh, let's talk about not being able to capitalize. I'm going to give you two examples here, both, involved, both involving L.A. as FC Dallas 
giving up an extra time goal last night to tie 1-1 with the Galaxy. Um, <sighs> Jared Benitez had his lunch, breakfast, and dinner eaten last night. Had a terrible, terrible game. Uh, yeah. And Colorado winning over Chivas 4 nothing. That was an amazing game uh, for Colorado. I mean, and, and I watched a lot of that because obviously New England is playing them this Wednesday, and I'll be at the game um, uh, up in the press box. But the thing there is, you know, you had an offense come to life in the second half. Just, you know, Kamani Hill, what a pickup for that team. Um, and, you know, Lorena Woods getting the penalty kick, and uh, Casio is a is you know for a rookie coming in um and and that that kind of goal is a goal that uh from taking deep outside reminiscent of uh Dwayne De Rosario in a way being able to take that shot from way outside uh get that goal you you got to be careful of a kid like that um yeah. it's it's going to be tough tough game for New England and then they've got to go to play Real Salt Lake who segue uh Decided picked up, to pick up a tie here midweek. <laughs> decided to lay a beat down in the final minute, whatever. Um, after Toronto, you know, came back in that game to to tie it up. You know, poor Toronto, zero and seven. Seven games played, seven games lost in MLS. Uh, how do you solve a problem like Toronto? <sighs> how do you hold a moonbeam in your hand? <laughs> Well, it's probably easier than Thank trying you, to coach Mango. <laughs> I feel I feel bad for the fans up there. Uh, it, it, it's Everybody fun. Does. It's uh, twenty ten and sorry, Dwayne. Yeah, the, yeah, the Red Patch Boys, I, Sonia and and uh, Boris, 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 all the guys, Martin, I, you, you Ben gotta, Rycroft, Ben Knight, those guys that have to cover that team on a weekly basis it's just oh, man. and you know i really need to uh tune into Dwayne's podcast and hear what they're saying now because from the beginning when they talked about football in winter and i'm i respect the game overseas i'm not a big europhile certainly not a euro snob you know and i just when somebody comes in with this preconceived notion of how their system over there is automatically going to work over here it makes me think about the arrogance or the naivete that uh, Chivas came in with back in 2005 uh, with, with, with their second division Mexican league squad basically getting their lunches handed to them for an entire summer. Uh, I just don't see what Aaron Venter is doing working. I don't think he's long for this club. And, you know, I, I think it's, it's, it's a little poetic justice because there's, there's no small amount of arrogance that I believe uh, a coach will bring in like Ruud Hullet when he came into uh, L.A. You remember that? Uh, where they have this preconceived notion of how a club should be run, the beautiful game. The, you know, I, I, I'd say, look, work with the pieces that you have and try to build a system based on what you already have in place. Don't try to, you know, overhaul this into some utopic vision of what you think beautiful football should be because you're, you don't understand the league and you don't really give the players that the respect that they're, uh, they've earned, I think, playing for the club that you're stepping into. I, I, it's a shame because the fans up there deserve a lot more than what they're getting. I agree. And I, you know, and I said this on my podcast earlier today, um, the midnight ride, midnight ride.us early plug. Thanks, Brian. Uh, but the, uh, they've got this guy named Paul Mariner up there as their technical director. He used to be an assistant coach here in New England 
left here, went to England, um, worked with uh, Plymouth Argyle, and was the manager there for a while, was demoted from that to an, a coach coaching position, and then left that ultimately, uh, came back to MLS, took over the technical director position up with Aaron Winter at, at um, Toronto. And, you know, they're talking now about, oh, well, maybe Paul Mariner's got to get rid of Aaron Winter and do this. It's like, Paul Mariner yet to me has, has yet to prove himself in any league uh, outside the role of assistant coach. And I'm not so sure that uh, Paul Mariner being in charge of the overall team up there is, is such a good idea, I think. Uh, but I'd hate to see them throw everything away and restart from scratch. I think that they've got um, a core a, a core up there that they can use and they can build around. And just it's going to take that maybe one or two pieces to, to get it together. They've got three DPs already, though, and it makes me wonder how, you know, what kind of parts they're going to they're going to need to get. They obviously need help in the midfield, and they obviously need help in defense. Um, but, you know, how are they going to fill those spots with the current roster that they have? Maybe right they ought to take Jesse Marsh out of out of Montreal and trade him up with Aaron Minter in Toronto. Aaron Minter can go run and build a new team from scratch up there in Montreal, and Jesse Marsh can do what he does best, motivate a midfield and anchor a defense there. There and you go. That's not the crazy. Yeah. You're just saying. Okay. Never happened, but I'm about to get. Yeah, never happened. Um, I want to very quickly mention. Uh, next week, our guest is going to be John Sedante. Uh, John Sedante from uh, Chivas USA, Elac. You may know him from around the league and winning ugly. Uh, he has started a new podcast called What the Flock. Uh, he is a diehard <laughs> Chivas fan. We're going to have him on next week. Um, this is a this is a guy. Um, He's a principal in East L.A. Um, works his tail off to make sure that his that his kids do the right thing. Uh, is an enormous, enormous supporter of the uh, of the goats. I think he's I think it's the Black Army uh, that he's part of. So he will be joining us next week to so join us for that. Uh, and now I want to segue over to Europe as we have a huge match in the Premier League tomorrow. What? I think I heard. As the uh, Manchester huh. Derby is tomorrow, and all of a sudden the oh. race is the race oh, is wide wow. open. That's tomorrow. Didn't know about that. Uh, I don't know if I don't know if anybody's seen it advertised. I think it's going to be on uh, ESPN, maybe. Two thirty Eastern time on ESPN, ESPN three, Deportes and the Ocho. I might actually have to DVR that. Um, yeah, going to have to do something with that because I'll be at the office. Yes. <laughs> Thought, but no, it's a shame that they had to put that on a Monday afternoon. You know, I, I, I think it already. I think it already was on a Monday afternoon. It just happened to matter last week. So does that mean it's like Monday night football in England? Is that what they branded as? Do they get Joe Theismann not there to help? Uh, you know, do the commentary. And and we don't have Dean. We don't have Dean in the chat room with us this week to ask Dean. Uh, Dean from Manchester, of mm-hmm. course. Some of you follow the show may know. Um, have you noticed how Man City's been playing a little bit better without the uh, Mario Balotelli uh, show surrounding it? Yep, just a little bit. 
Um, and it's interesting that Tevez is coming back into the side a little bit more, and he's been on fire. And uh, it's going to be a great game. I, I, uh, conveniently located next to the uh, my office that is conveniently located next to the Banshee uh, bar in, in um, Dorchester, Boston. So I uh, might have to have a long lunch to go check my- that out. But it's... <laughs> I don't know. I, it's it's wide open all of a sudden, and now you know you look at the rest of the league. Arsenal is sitting in third, but they're looking threatened. Tottenham just uh, won today, and Newcastle lost yesterday, so Tottenham's now back up at fourth place on goal differential. And uh, Everton's been on fire, and Liverpool yesterday won. So it's it's it, everybody's kind of creeping up for those final the final uh, you know fourth and fifth spots. And if Chelsea. Uh, keep going the way they're doing. Um, they won what six to one today. Yeah. Fernando Torres with a hat trick over QPR. Hey, Fernando Torres. Sighted. So yep. yeah, so the three three Arsenal at sitting third at sixty six. Tottenham sixty two. Newcastle sixty two. Chelsea sixty one. Uh, Chelsea sitting in uh, in sixth place. Here's the rub. And Ballard and I talked about it this week. Chelsea beats uh, Bayern and wins Champions League. Right. They automatically qualify for Champions League next year as the sixth place team in Premier League, which me- which right. means Spurs are SOL. And Newcastle. Well, New- Newcastle, they're playing in Europa. That's the Europa spot. Or do they give Spurs the Europa spot? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think everybody gets pushed down one. And that's what we—that's what we were discussing. So how so how excited are you as a Newcastle fan to know that uh, John? T- I'm rooting for Bayern. <laughs> yeah. That that would eliminate the problem altogether, wouldn't it? Yeah, Bayern's got to win. Uh, they're, they're in front of their hometown. Come on, they got to win. You're not going to let those Chelsea boys. And John Terry's out, thankfully, and the rest of their defense looks suspect. So um, you know, Bayern's got some great players on their team. If Mario. Gomez can get the foot, uh, get the ball off his foot in less than a three seconds. Then you know they're, they're going to be a scoring about four or five goals. Well, and both sides, both Predict- sides are going to be without five, three or four players. Uh, UEFA did come out and say that if if uh, Chelsea wins the Champions League, John Terry can raise the trophy. That's very nice of them. Oh, very nice. Uh, but uh, Chelsea also playing for the FA Cup versus Liverpool. Liverpool, so they have a chance to pick up two pieces of hardware while still finishing sixth. Ugh. But, you know, they're, they're really, you know, they're one, they're one point behind Tottenham for fourth spot. So it could end up being a moot point anyway. Well, you know, it's, it's kind of, uh, I mean, if they, if they finish off the season strong, they could be up in there. Right. And everything could happen. Arsenal could go on a bad slide and, and Tottenham could lose out, and Newcastle could still be fourth, and Chelsea could move up to third. You know, if, if, if it all, everybody's so close right now. And usually we're talking about the relegation battle at this stage, but, um, you know, there's a real battle going on for the third and fourth spots. Right. And, and, the, and then you look at the, you know, at the bottom of the table, Wolves, who've already been relegated, uh, Blackburn, Bolton, and QPR. All fighting. Wigan with 37 points. Two things will live after a nuclear disaster. Cockroaches and Wigan in the Premier League. Wigan. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? Why not, why not Roberto Martinez for uh, England, England manager? 
This is the know. time of the year. I've started following closely very, English football very closely the last three years, and every year it's either on the last day of the season or a couple weeks before Wigan stays up. No kidding. No kidding. And you, you know, you got Bolton, Blackburn, and QPR all, you know, so close together. Yes. And Bolton, Bolton's, got, uh, Bolton's got a game of hand on QPR. Uh, QPR's Golden Virgil certainly took a beating today. Yes, it um, did. Aston, Aston Villa. I mean, I don't. I mean, they're at thirty-seven. I don't. They might be safe, but uh, wow. Right, right. I think that that's close. That's really close. I mean, and who do they have left to play? It's uh, it's not looking good. They've got well, they've got a game against Tottenham, and they're fighting. So Tottenham will will probably. Unleash and then Norwich is, hasn't been a bad team. Um, been a solid mid-table team, and that's it. That's that's basically it for them. So if they but if they win if they lose those two, um, and the other teams come through, Wigan with Blackburn and Wolves, I like their chances. Yeah, hello. And they played really well yesterday against Arsenal. That's amazing. But the real ones that could kill them, right? If QPR and Bolton come through, and um, and when that that would drive Aston Villa down to the bottom three. And right. as a team that released Michael Bradley, does there any part of you as an American soccer fan want that to happen? They have an American owner. Uh, I don't necessarily want to to start hearing the. Uh, the English press condemning an American owner is the reason why they, they succumbed to uh, failure. And st- uh, Stoke tied Arsenal yesterday, excuse me. Wigan beat Newcastle for a, my apologies. Yeah, that was bad. <laughs> um, so now this is the part of the show where I do the plug, Sean. Is there anything you want to throw out before we go? I'll make sure they have, everybody has your Twitter and your, and your website. Uh, yeah, just uh, you guys have been really generous. Uh, to me today. Uh, just uh, please, if you uh, are a fan out there that designs TIFO, uh, get in touch with me. Uh, let's let's put some of your art in my book. And, uh, you know, uh, send me a, photo, uh, a picture of your scarf and uh, your name, where you're from, how long you've been a fan, and which club you support. Um, I'll put that in my book you as know, well. We uh, can, send- you know who we know that could get him some artwork, Hank? Who's that? Last week's guest. Yeah. Oh, Yeah. Definitely. Football, I man. will put you in touch with Aboon tonight, as a matter of fact. Aboon is the man. Yeah. Yeah, Aboon I like that interview. At LB Football on Twitter. I got to order my shirt. I like this stuff. Well, I, got, I was wearing my – I wore the shirt all, all uh, day Friday and Saturday, so it's in the wash now. Otherwise, I'd be wearing it. The other one he gave me, he gave me that uh, Eric Cantona yes. shirt. Okay. Uh, very nice, except it's huge. <laughs> it's like I'm wearing a muumuu. But uh, – I love it. It's a great design, and if anybody out there, Manchester United fan, that can wear a muumuu, what size did he send let you? Me know. It was an extra large, but it was—I think it was the other because he's got. He said he had a couple of different fits because he sent me two extra larges. One was a lot um, more my size extra large than I'm not a big man. That's what she said. Self digs. It's like, it's like here on. It's like Mark's on the show. It's like he's on the show, but no, I, I was going to give that shirt to Mark because it 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 um, 
looks like it might fit him better than it would fit me. Uh, but that's uh, the first one he bought. That, yeah, Mark yep. is a Mark's a huge uh, Libri football fan. You know what, Sean? I will make that happen. I will send an email to you and Boone tonight, um, and I will make sure you guys get in touch with each other. Love those guys. Very good guys. Amazed even more by the fact he's a he's a 22 year old kid about to graduate from Temple and he's doing what he's doing now. Yeah, and he's been doing it for what six years? They say yeah, something like that since he was 16. I thought I say since he was like 14 or something like that. 12 or 14 was making his own shirts. Yeah, yeah, that needs to happen. You you need some you need some Aboon artwork in your book. Yeah, just uh, the more the better. Uh, the book's going to be pretty and fun to read. So you needed a Boone T-shirt that says "I believe." Uh, yep. Get that out on on LB That's Football. The next thing we need to. Com. There we go. There we there go. You go. You basically, you're uh, selling it for me. Thanks there for that. And a Boone's mad we're make, creating work for him. There, he loves it. It was funny because you could see him during the interview, uh, whatever the podcast last week. We started talking about ideas, whatever. He got got his pen out, and started drawing. You could see the top yep. of his head. He was. <laughs> so we see him draw and stop, and he would tweet, and he would go back and draw, and he goes, "Oh, hold on, I've got, oh, here's one that's done," and he reaches right over the top. He goes, "Here, look, it's a new Zidane one. It's going to be kind of a couple of weeks. Put it back." Oh, here's another one that's done. It's a Philly shirt that I did. Yeah, that's that his talent. It, it it came through. You know, he said last week, he "said I'm going to send you a shirt," and he sent me two. There you go. Well, then let's then Love let's that make guy. that happen. You can follow Sean on Twitter. Oh, we got Blair Witch. There we go. Sorry, sorry about that. My uh, laptop's about to run out of juice here, right here at the end. This is about to run out of juice, so we're uh, right there. Yeah, we're about done with that. Uh, You can follow Sean on Twitter. Uh, I want you, the number two. Believe. Uh, No, I I think it's at I want you, just the letter U, two T O believe. Yeah, that's Say that uh, again. Your handle. It's just I want you to believe, and uh, all you're doing is the Y-O-U is just a single U. It's, it's print style. And it's the number two? Letter two. The letter U. Letter U. Letter it's not U. complicated number at all. Two. I-W-A-N-T-U-T-O-B-E-L-I-E-V-E. Yeah. Okay, thank you. And then the website Sorry. is believeinussoccer.com. That's uh, it. That's and Sean, any, any Sunday, every Sunday. Oh Anytime. man! Thanks you guys. You let us let us awesome. let us know what we Thank can you. do. Um, we want to cool. make sure. Uh, yeah, you can be the new Sarah. I'll flip over and do the uh, do the plugs real quick. <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at tweeter underscore dumb. You can follow Sarah at Holbird. You can follow Mark at sc underscore beaner lights. That's l i t e s. Hank is at hisco five. You can also check him out on the midnight ride us. That is his podcast. Uh, Chris, who was not feeling well today, you can follow him at Chris J. Ballard, also on Around the League at ATRLCSRN or on CSRNUSA.com. You can follow the show at Top of the Table TV, and we keep all this silly stuff at on the website at topofthetable.tv. Great. That's it, gentlemen. Sean, thank you again for your time. Like I said, please let us know. I'll make sure that you have that email tonight for to get you and a boon in touch, and hopefully something can happen there. Uh, Hank, we need to follow the 12 steps. I think you've got a real problem. <laughs> this is actually ice tea. Right. Long Island. <laughs> That's, you know, I, I love that we have a following, but I, I'm a little, I'm a little discouraged that it's of Hank's drinking. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's not real drinking, guys. It's an but act. It's part of the you show. You were in a panic room two weeks ago. Fun. I was. That was actually a detox center. And I had to sneak into the detox center's uh, administrative offices to make the podcast. It worked out well, though. The dog was really helpful. Oh, man. I'm Brian Bentley coming to you from Dallas. That's Hank Alexander in Boston. Sean Reed joining us from San Jose? Uh, just north, up in uh, the Bay Area. Oakland. Oh, in Oakland. Uh, you know, do you know yeah. Roxy Bernstein? I don't. Who's Roxy? Roxy's on uh, the Sport 95. What's well, the sports channel there? He does Cal baseball. Play-by-play guy does basketball. Mm. No, 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 no. I, I should look him yeah. up, though. Uh, you should. At Roxy Bernstein on Twitter. I will, okay. I will get you in touch with him tonight as well. He does handles a lot of uh, uh, college basketball for ESPN. Uh, oh, cool. Probably can, let's try to get you an interview uh, with him on the radio. Cause I think Jonas. Knows okay. Him. Oh, okay. Great. Yeah. Great. Any friend of Jonas is a friend of mine. Everybody loves Jonas. Everybody loves Jonas. Hand? Everybody loves Jonas. True. I know. Not me. I didn't say that, but we'll go along with it. <laughs> All right. That's it. We'll see you next week. Uh, Elak will be joining us to talk Chiva soccer and his new podcast. What the flock F L O C K. Wait for and his love That'd for be... Precky. Um, <laughs> this guy, this guy's great. It's gonna be, it's gonna be really good. It's gonna be good. <laughs> so, uh, thank you for those. Thanks wow. for those that joined us live. Thanks for those that downloaded the podcast. We will see you again next week on top of the table. <laughs>